What is up, everybody, and how's it going? I'm Alex Goldstick, and you are listening to the Spring Forward Podcast. Before we jump into today's interview, I wanted to express the surprise and sadness that the Spring League and Spring Forward staff felt when we learned of the sudden passing of Kona Schwenke at age 25 earlier this week. Kona was a defensive lineman who was with the Spring League in Austin as a member of Team North. The Hawaii native played on Notre Dame's defensive line for four years before spending two years in the NFL, mostly on practice squads, with the Chiefs, Patriots, Jets, Raiders, and Seahawks. Kona earned a tryout with the Atlanta Falcons while he was still in Austin for the Spring League and sat out Team North's second game to preserve his health for it. Our hearts go out to the Schwenke family, both relatives and the extremely tight-knit Hawaiian football community. Even though today's interview was scheduled before we learned of this tragic news, Aaron Adeoye played on Team North's defensive line with Kona, and the two became close during their two weeks in Austin. Let's get to today's interview with Aaron. We'll talk about Kona before we dive into Adeoye's own story about transitioning from college basketball player to pro football. Aaron Adeoye is a defensive lineman out of Southeast Missouri State. He's attempting to follow in the steps of a select few NFL stars who have made the jump from college basketball player to professional football success story. He suited up for Team North in this year's Spring League in Austin, where quite literally he stood head and shoulders above the majority of guys in the league. We now welcome Aaron on a spring forward. What's up, what's up, what's up? Thanks for having me. So, you know, first off, uh, some sad news I guess to start with, but before we dive into your story, I wanted to talk to you about Kona Schwenke. Uh, you were on Team North with Kona and at the same position, so you spent a lot of time with him on and off the field. Um, what do you remember about your brief time with him and, and what kind of player he was? And Kona, he was he was a guy who was who was hardworking. And like when I first got there, just me playing basketball, like I know I have little football experience, and Kona was just that guy that I could go and talk to. Um, and we, like, I hung around with a whole bunch of the polys and like, they showed me the way, especially Kona, you know, um, I was always bounced by pass rush moves, going through film with him. Like, was this a good move? Was that a good move? And he always gave me good feedback. He was just a guy, you know, that was really like willing to help others. And I mean, it was kind of so sad to see him, see him go like that because I was like, man, we, I was just texting him, you know, a couple of days before the next thing you know, you know, he's no longer here. And that kind of puts life into perspective. Like you could be here today, you know, and, and literally gone tomorrow. So RIP Kona. Yeah. And certainly sad and shocking for everybody. Well, probably one of the few guys who actually sized up with you. I mean, he, he was big and, um, you know, with that Notre Dame pedigree too, I, I'm sure you learned a lot off, off uh, an athlete like that. Yeah, for sure. Kona, he was, he was teaching me so many different things and like that just worked for me because we are the same size. So, like being the same size, you got to have, you know, different moves that work for everybody. And just, it was just perfect the way he was able to teach me and, and how to do certain things. So let's dive into your story. You attended three D1 colleges and a junior college. In order, those were Ball State, John A. Logan College in Illinois, Western Kentucky, and then Southeast Missouri State, and played basketball at all of them for a year each. Um, your totals sure. in 92 Division One games um were roughly four points and four rebounds per game. Uh, what was your profile like as a basketball player if you had to scout yourself? I was a guy, you know, I was a guy that was going to give energy to the team, um, a rebounder, defensive player, and then also who can uh, go and put some points on the board any night. 
it was just a different transition from going from every school, you know, trying to fit into a system every year, learning a new system every year. But I was uh, fortunate enough with just my ability to, you know, start at every school and um, always being playing. More of a team player. Like, I just want to win at the end of the day. So anything that a, a team needs to do, um, I'm going to do it. So I was always kind of like the like the Draymond type of hard work, Dennis Robin type player that was just willing to do, like, all the dirty work, you know? And what what was your, say, what would you say your team highlight it was of, of your basketball career? Probably when I was at WKU, we had we had a really good run. We ended up finishing second at conference that year, but uh, I, I was around a whole bunch of group of guys, and it was just a good team to be on. We had like twenty two wins that that season. So uh, at six seven in the mid two hundred pound range, uh, was there something about your basketball game that made you believe you could play football at the next level, or was it purely a combination of athleticism and size, and sort of just figuring, you know, with this body, I, I need to be an athlete of some of some kind. Yeah, um, it was like I was really I was watching something on a uh, sports center, and it was like all these uh, DNs and stuff. They were running like four sevens, four fives, and you know some of them were tall, but the ones that were tall, you know, they were talking about like, man, he's fast and being tall. And I was like, man, I, I really think I can, you know, get out there and do that. And I was saying that to my roommate, jokingly. He was like, why don't you just ask to play on a football team? Like, we just got through with our season and everything. And I was uh, training to try to go overseas and play uh, basketball. And um, I was like, for real? He was like, yeah, just email the coach. So I emailed the coach, sat down with him. And I was like, all right, you know, <laughs> let's see where this goes. And that's at Southeast Missouri? Yes. And had you ever played football before? Did you play in high school or, or at any point before college? Yeah, I played in high school, but I didn't really take it as serious as a lot of people because I played basketball all the time. You know, basketball was the one that was uh, giving me scholarships. So, And you play basketball all year round. So in the summer, that's kind of like the biggest month as a high schooler because you're always gone on the road with AU and so on. And you're from the Midwest, right? I mean, you know, the weather obviously uh, turns at some point, so you're it's easier to play basketball all year round, right? Exactly, exactly. It's not where I'm from, Illinois. It's you know, football is not even big. Like you tell somebody you're playing football, they're gonna be like, "Oh, cool." You know, you say you're good at basketball, they're gonna be like, "Man, for real? Like, where you play? Who are you?" You know. So basketball is just bigger. It's a it's more of a popular sport in Illinois, where I'm from. Now, football fans associate college basketball players that have transitioned to football mostly with the tight end position. Uh, stars like Jimmy Graham and Antonio Gates come to mind first. Um, at first, you rotated between defensive end, outside linebacker, and tight end, but now you're fully committed to DN. Uh, what about your athletic skill set or even your basketball game led to this decision about what position you wanted to play in football? I was way more you know, skilled at a DN when I was in high school. I played tight end, wide receiver. Um, but it wasn't necessarily as like skill wise. I can't play those positions. It's more defensive end. It gets my interest because to me, looking at like wide receivers and tight ends, I might as well go back to playing basketball. There's just so many rules over there. And, you know, I want to be kind of free and able to hit somebody. You know, I'm tired of like being finesse and uh, rules and all that. So. I don't know. It's, to me, it's just more of a mindset. I have more of a defensive mindset than offensive, you know, and I wanted to kind of get dirty. Was that a mindset that you think you brought over from basketball? Because you said before you're sort of a team player. I mean, your offensive numbers certainly, you know, don't jump off a stat sheet, but you're that team guy. You bring energy. Does does that have to do with, you know, maybe not being the, 
the diva that that wide receivers and tight ends might uh, associate with? I think so. I, I really do think so because to me, the the main thing is is energy. Like if you play a sport, if you can give your teammate energy, like you're winning because that, that's going to progress you to make plays. And um, I was just always, if there was, like, the uh, best defender in the post, like, I've been guarding the best defender in the post since I was probably a uh, freshman year in college, even when we had, like, an NBA-caliber player on the team. It was just, it's it's, a, it's all of a mindset. Like, I'll go get it, you know. Um, if it needs to be done, I'll do it. I'm not really going to complain. Now, uh, your first taste of professional football was with the Salina Liberty of the Champions Indoor Football League. Um, tell us about that league and the experience that you had there in Kansas. Um, so when I went to how I got called to play arena ball was just one I one day after blue, this guy called me, was like, Hey, do you want to play for Salina Liberty? Um, I seen some of your highlights online and a word through a, a, another coach in the league, but he had too many DNs already. So I was like, you know, I'm trying to work to get to the NFL and I'm just doing nothing right now. I said, I might as well go play some football. So I went out there. I didn't know nothing about no arena ball. I didn't even know there was three down linemen. Um, and then so I got out there. Like, I want to say, yeah, the first game, like, I actually got to play. But I ended up getting, like, three sacks. And I was like, dang, you know. And I started, and I just kept on getting, like, almost a sack every game for the rest of the season. And it was a good it was a good time. I just got to keep on playing football. I met some cool dudes, uh, seeing a different way of living life. And then, like, that kind of just started my, you know, uh, career on the playing football. And, I'm just, and I was just trying to build off of that. And just for context, what what year is that? How long ago was that? It was just last year. Last year. So you're two years into your professional fo- your your professional football career. Yes. Um, and and what, what what was that league like? What are what are you know facilities like, and and the crowds that show up? Man, so arena ball is it's a different world. You play you, you. The field is like a, a hockey rink. You know, it's the size of a hockey rink, and they put turf down on it, so it's smaller. It'll probably only be, I want to say, sixty yards of a football field. And we had to stay in some dorms. Uh, I haven't, uh, granted, I haven't stayed in a dorm since like freshman year of of college, and it was worse than that. And then you get like few food vouchers around town. You get paid a little bit uh, a game per week, like. 200 to $300. I mean, which isn't bad, you know, if you are just by yourself and single. So it didn't really bother me, but there's people out there with families, you know, just trying to uh, play ball, some part-time jobs. And yeah, it's, it's a different pace. It's a different, it's a different speed, man. Like, so the pace of the football is fast because every, you, they pass a lot. They run a little bit, but it's more of a passing league. And um, it's only three down linemen three offensive, three defensive, and then you have the five skill players. Um, they can run towards the line uh, with a motion start, all that. Like, for first me, first time, like, really, like, legitly playing football, that was, it was crazy. Like, I had, to get a, I had to get the hang of it. But, I mean, it wasn't too bad because it's still, it's, it's still really no different than playing DN. You're just kind of playing as, a, like, a tackle position. What was it about that experience that you know proved to you, you that you could compete at a higher level of football? Was it the ease that you were getting to the quarterback? Was it you know sort of how fast the game came to you? Yeah, one everything that they were teaching me, I was picking up really fast, and then two, I was out there making plays, 
And I was like, dang, you know, that's when it really came to me. It's like, man, I, I can do this. And this is coming from, you know, I had no, I have no crazy trainer that helps me train. Um, like I just get it how I can get it every day. And so just me by me going out there and making three sacks the first game, I was like, oh yeah, I, I can definitely play this sport. Cool. Yeah. Let's, let's transition to the spring league now. Um, so take us through how you found out about, about the spring league and then ultimately got accepted to play in this year's spring league in Austin. So I, I found out through it by um, social media. I was just scrolling through, and then I, I kept seeing, like, uh, it pop up, like, the Spring League. Um, this is, like, the new development league of the NFL and such like that. I was like, man, you know, this might be perfect for me. And I was like, I just got some film from playing arena ball, so it's like I'm just not, you know, Joe Schmo off the street. Um, and then they were having trials. So I was like, oh, I can definitely do this. When people see my athleticism, I think they'll understand. And um, I submitted my film and all that, and then I got accepted. And I, I was really so excited because it was just another chance for me to be around people and just to show them, like, the kind of player I am because it's different. In the world of football, it's, it's, it's different than basketball. Like, I know people in basketball. Um, like, I'll be able to get an agent. I'll be able to contact coaches. You know, I have a, I have a little bit of a name, and I have good, and I have years and years of film. So if they watch that, they're like, okay, yeah, he can play. But I have no film for football, so like that's the hardest part. And just able to get some more film and people see me, like I was just ecstatic about the opportunity. In Team North's game against Team East, you picked off former Virginia Tech quarterback Gerard Evans off a tip. Um, but you know, we'll post the we'll post the play online when we post the podcast. But uh, take us through what you remember about that pick and that play. So what I remember about that play is I went inside. So I'm lining up. I went inside, and then, like, it was kind of a zone read to the right. And, like, I get, I just get caught up, like, all in the, all in the motion because I went down too hard. And so, like, I just remember turning, trying to run and pursue where the quarterback was going because he rolled out to his right, and I'm on the left side. So I turn around and run, and I just see the ball tipped, and I just see the ball in the air. And I'm like, oh, man, I got to catch it. And I caught it. And I just remember, like, nobody nobody touched me. And I was like, I think you can get up and run with it because it's like NFL rules. So I just got up and started running. And then, like, four guys got around me. They were like, go down, go down, go down. So I just dropped to the ground. And <laughs> that was it. I was like, man, but I got a pick. I was like, dang, I never expected that. And it takes a lot of guys to bring you down, too. Yeah, yeah. It took a little bit. What, what about that Spring League experience do you think helped you most to further your career? Um, what really helped me is one, cause it was a whole bunch of, you know, guys there that was actually played in the league and played at that level. And I was just like, man, you know, this is a good experience that, you know, that I wanted to play against. And I, for the most part, I held my own, you know, and this is coming off of like little experience. So I'm thinking like, man, if I just get more experience, keep working, like, I really think I can be great you know at this sport because my body size allows me to and just the more and more moves i learn like it really just boosted my confidence and everything and then get more films that's, that's a big part of it so where where do you go next to, to get increased experience uh, you know the spring league is over um and and you returned home um what do you do to stay in, in football shape um and to to keep your mind sharp for a sport that you that isn't really second nature yet so, I mean, that's probably that's probably the hardest part 
about about me is just I have nobody. I have really nobody to train with, and then um, I don't have nobody that's knowledgeable about the game besides one person. But he lives an hour and 30 minutes away. So really how I know the most about um, football is, is this guy named Anthony Hargrove. He played for the New Orleans Saints um, back in when they won the Super Bowl. So he won a Super Bowl with them. And um, he's from my hometown in Marion, Illinois, and I live in Missouri. So it's an hour and 30 minutes away. So before the spring league and for like a couple years, I used to have to drive an hour and 30 um, there and an hour and 30 back just for training, just to know more about the game. So like that was kind of my little grind. Um, a little, little fun fact about me is I used to literally drive an hour and 30 every day just to get probably like an hour and a half worth of workouts every day. Have you like been, four in, days a week. have you been in touch with or heard from any NFL or CFL teams either while you were at the spring league or since you've returned home? Yeah. So I got interviewed, um, by, the uh, team out of Canada, Montreal, by one of their scouts. That was the only um, that was the only team I heard of as of right now. And then I just made you know a highlight to put together just to start pumping through social media. So I, I remember talking to you at breakfast one morning in Austin. I, I think perhaps more impressive than trying to make the change from D one basketball to pro football uh, is your work with kids and after school programs. Um, Tell us about the Honorable Young Men Club and, and the work you're involved in when you're not playing or training for football. Um, so I have this program that me and three other guys created. It's called the Honorable Young Men's Club and it's a youth and it's a youth um it's a youth program. But we're in district employees of the school of Cape District School and we're youth mentors and we have about hundred and seventy kids. So like my my day job from seven to three every day is being a mentor to the youth in public schools. And I work in three schools right as of right now. And then how did that career opportunity sort of make its way to your doorstep? <laughs> By total accident. So if we back up when I was in college, you know, I never really thought about being a, a youth mentor, even working with kids, to be honest. Um, I always wanted to be a coach in sports and I, I figured after I was, after I got through playing, I was going to go back to school, get a GA and then become a college coach. But at my time during, um, when I was, I used my fifth year to play football and I got a scholarship to play football for SEMO. Well, you know, I got a little incident off the field and I got in trouble. And that day it was October 15th. Like I thought my life was ruined. Um, I could no longer play no more sports. Um, football was just over, you know, and it was the, and I, that was the greatest day of my life. That day was the greatest day and ended up being the worst day. So, um, it was my first time that I got in contact with the NFL, um, scout. He came to the school, asked for me. It was the Seahawks. Um, and then a couple of days later, like that next Monday, uh, the Patriots, they called me and they were like, Hey, we heard you're no longer with the team, you know, and I had to tell them what happened. And that those days I was just sick. Like every day I woke up, I was like, man, like, what did I do? I remember I was sitting on my bed and I was like, I have one or two options, you know, either complain about it and my situation will not get better or just from here on try to make the best choices to become the best person I can be. So I was like, you know, and I went with the second option. And that led me to hanging around with um, 
you know, three guys. One was a, a college friend, and he, he had some friends, and we just all, like, had a liking through um, working out. And I was like, all right. So they introduced me to, like, you know, uh, volunteering at this boxing academy. It was called uh, Salvation. It was, it was through the Salvation Army, and it was called Christian Boxing Academy. And um, I worked with the kids through there, and we went there, like, every Tuesday working with them. And, like, I just – and the reason why I did that, really, because – I didn't want no kid to feel how I felt. And I know they see the same things I see growing up. Um, they're surrounded probably by some of the same guys I was surrounded by because they're usually your friends. And I just wanted to uh, tell the kids, like, hey, we all have one one thing in this world, and that's the power of choice. But we do not have the power of the consequences that come with the choices that we'll make. So I was I, I just want to make sure I, I, I reach kids because if I couldn't make my situation better, Maybe if I can make other people's situations better. And so I did that. And then um, we had opportunity through my, now my business partner and another youth mentor. His mom gave us the opportunity to work inside the school. Um, she worked inside the school, and she was like, hey, you need to reach these kids. They need your guys' help because she's seen what we were doing in the community. And so we came in, and we volunteered for, like, the whole first year. So in 2016, I was just volunteering inside the schools every Tuesday for two hours from like eight to 10. And we started off with 40 kids at the end of that school year. Um, those 40 kids, their attendance went up, their behavior referrals, like office referrals for getting in trouble went down. Um, their, their grades went up and this is compared to the whole school taking first to fourth quarter on um, data. And they were like, man, you know, and these were, they're considered at risk. I don't like that term because I, I, I don't even know what an at risk kid is, but that's what the schools call them. And so we were dealing with those kind of kids. And I was like, man, uh, and they were like, all right, um, would you guys be willing to, you know, do this full time? And we were like, full time to mentor kids and hanging out with them. That's a, that's a win win. So now, uh, we created our program. Nobody, created it for us. It wasn't a um, program before ours. Uh, we come up with the curriculum every day, the lesson plans, the activities, the trips, and all that. And now we grew from 40 to 170 just in one year. And we are really making impacts on these kids' lives. They really look up to us. And it's basically just, you know, being a big homie to them and just being there for them. What has what their impact been like on you? I would say they've done more for me than I have for them. You know, people people probably say it the other way, but honestly, because it's like we keep each other accountable. They make me choose to make a better decision every day, knowing that it's like, okay, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna talk to them about making these doing these certain things in class, then I gotta be about that life. So every day I wake up, like I just try to be better for them, just so they can have a good, strong role model to look at. Because not every day, you know, these kids get to go home some of them don't have fathers you know or some of them have a lack of male mentorship in their life so just being somebody that they can see every day and look up to you know that's that's so important so yes they help me a lot because they force me you know to make better decisions now to, to end this on a football note um you know where do you find the balance between that work with the kids and then finding time um, for football to stay in, in the condition to be ready when a team calls you? It's focus. I got to wake up at 4.30 every morning just to get ready um, to go to the gym. And once I get to the gym, 
you know, I do my workout and then I go to school at seven and I got to be out front to give the kids high fives. Uh, and then after school, I have to work out in the morning because after school, you know, we have various things going on, either meet with people in the community or hanging out with kids. So the afternoons are kind of like not really steady if I'm not traveling to Illinois and driving an hour and 30 minutes to get extra work in. So, I mean, it's, it, it takes a toll, but you know, the bigger the dream, the, the more uh, fat you got to cut out your life. So, I mean, it's good because it keeps me, it keep, one, it keeps me out of trouble. Two, you know, it keeps me focused. So, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard on some days. I get tired, but I know in the end it'll be worth it. And then I'll just be able to say like, it takes the excuse from the kids. Like when they say, but I have this going on, but I have that going on. You know, I can really tell them like, if you want something, you can do it. You just have to really put your mind to it and you just have to cut those excuses out and just be about it. So it's a teaching moment. Why doing all this? We will definitely try to produce enough spring forward podcast episodes, uh, to keep you entertained on those hour and a half drives to and to and back, uh, from Illinois. But, uh, uh, I think the work that you do is admirable. I think that you know you're you're certainly a beast on the field, um, and we wish you the best of luck moving forward. And you know, hopefully, the spring league uh, it will get you to that next level. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, I think I think it might it will. Until then, you know, I'm gonna keep grinding and, and wait some. I get that phone call, you know. Uh, appreciate your time. Uh, you know, we'll let you go get back to the kids. School just ended, I think. So um, appreciate uh, you joining us on the podcast. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on there. That brings us to the end of Lucky Episode 13. Best of luck to Aaron as he continues to complete the transition between the two sports he loves. Perhaps we'll see him in the Spring League Showcase in California in June. Speaking of the Showcase, for any potential players interested in playing, please head to thespringleague.com and follow the directions there to be considered to attend. You can also find a direct link in the Spring League's Twitter and Instagram bios or the description of this podcast episode. Find the Spring League on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the Spring League. You can follow me on Twitter at AGStick and on Instagram at ThisIsMyOtherIG. All music was provided to Spring Forward by Joshua Rosner. We'll be back with an all-new episode next week. Later.